Hello and welcome to our third 2017 preseason episode of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our fantasy preview of the Western Conference. This episode is brought to you by Alternate Kits, because what else are you going to do with all that leftover fabric? Uh, I mean, no, uh, actually, this episode is brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing subreddit community of r slash MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLS Fantasy Boss, and I'd like to start by saying hello to anyone who just started listening to our show through MLSsoccer.com's fantasy articles. Hello. <laughs> now I'd like to welcome tonight's Western Conference co-host, Jason Wiskovich, and pulling a Landon Donovan on us by coming back from retirement, Mr. Guy Sanchez. Hello, and friends. Hello. Finally, I'd also like to welcome our special guest, Phil Luchford from Big D Soccer. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How about you guys? Great. Doing Great. good. Here for Thanks, Reed. Welcome back, Guy. I'm just yeah, building guys. suspense before people hear my voice. Oh, yeah. People, <laughs> is it, yes. people are long for it. Well, I know everyone's listening to us tonight because we're going to be breaking down uh, the Western Conference from a fantasy point of view. So before we get to that, a few quick little housekeeping things to go over. For those of you who don't follow us on Twitter, the Fantasy Primer PDF has dropped, and that's over at MLSFantasyBoss.com. It's a project that almost everyone here tonight, uh, Phil and Jason, helped work on it. And it's a... uh, Wrapping up the series of team previews that we've been doing on that website just gives you some data and information from 2016 and 2017 previews for the teams to help you make some decisions uh, at the same time so you don't have to scroll back and forth between web pages as much. So we hope you like that. Um, it's It's been a couple months of getting all that ready, but but it's it turned out pretty well, I think. Uh, as I already mentioned, there are a lot of articles popping up at MLSsoccer.com and over at MLSFantasyBoss.com. So check those out as as well as any other resources that you have. Feel free to post those over on the Reddit subgroup, r slash fantasy MLS. And even you people who are interested in draft content, there is some of that available this year. And we're trying to provide that content as well. Uh, Finally, before we get to everything, if you have a podcast or if you are a podcaster, a team podcast that is listening to us right now, and you'd like to do a little segment about fantasy, let us know. Someone from the MLSFI team would be happy to come by and just chat with your members, plug your league, anything like that. So you can hit me up on Twitter at MLSFI or at MLSFantasyBoss. Okay, guys, now let's talk the Western Conference. I think you all are familiar with that, right? A little bit. Somewhat, uh, yeah. yeah. I think oh, you yeah. guys are. No, but uh, something fun just to kick things off. A question from Reddit. Uh, let's just start with you, Phil, since you're joining us. Uh, three teams from the West who are definitely playoff bound or as definite as we can say right now. And three teams that are just not going to make the cut. Who do you think? Okay, well, uh, starting at the top of the West is going to be FC Dallas. Uh, re- extremely deep team. Uh, got some new stuff. Newcomers from South America that are ready to step up. Uh, number two, we've got Seattle. Uh, there's no question the uh, emergence of Nicholas Ladero put them as but the hottest team going into the playoffs. And, uh, I mean, it's too easy to go with LA Galaxy, so here comes a stunner. Houston Dynamo are going to be a playoff team once again. Oh, wow. That's right. Um, at the bottom of the league, uh, I hate to pick on the expansion teams, but uh, Minnesota United, uh, they've looked good in preseason, but expansion teams always have an uphill uh, battle to climb. 
They've got uh, lots of people that haven't played in MLS before and have to gel together. That's really tough for them. Uh, San Jose, I really don't think that uh, they've learned anything. I think Dom Kinnear is going to be his same old uh, blue-collar kind of uh, struggling soccer. They, they seem to make it a lot more difficult than it, it really is. Uh, so I don't think that anything's going to be different in San Jose, uh, sorry to say. And then uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, again, they don't seem to have learned anything. Uh, potentially, the word on the street today is that Freddie Montero is going to arrive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that would be awesome to see him back in the league. Uh, he uh, definitely has made some enemies in the league, and that would be great as a kind of a villain kind of player. Um, but they are still missing pieces. They Freddie Montero is... Uh, He'll, he'll be great, but they really need a target forward, somebody that can hold the ball up. And uh, so they're still, they have a bunch of kind of second striker players that play in the hole, but nobody that really will lead the line for them. Um, so I think that they're going to fall short of the playoffs as well. Yeah, there was some good talk about Freddie on Extra Time Radio when I was listening to it recently. Uh, Jason and Guy, do you have anything different you think? Top three, bottom three? Yeah, um, my, my top three in no particular order is uh, uh, Dallas, RSL, and Seattle. And then the ones that I think that uh, will miss playoffs this year, um, I, do, I agree with you with the San Jose and Vancouver, um, but I think that uh, Sporting Kansas City will be another one that will make it. Ooh. Guy? No, I'm pretty much on board with that. I mean, I think Houston's kind of a – a wry little pick, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean the the good teams kind of got better, and the the bad teams kind of stayed bad this off season. Is what it kind of looked like. I mean, Vancouver really didn't improve, like they said, and I think LA probably has a good chance of winning the West just because they're just going to be good. I, I I think LA is going to be really good now that they've offloaded some of that age, and the team's going to be pretty much Giovanni Dos Santos's. Uh, it's going to be everybody against LA this year. Be fun to watch. Well, let's just start breaking down these teams now. Jason, I'm going to let you kick this off since you talked about Colorado Rapids during our team previews. So, just uh, what's your general impression of the team? Uh, any season long fantasy targets? And of course, is Colorado a viable source of players for the opening weekend challenge? Yeah. So, uh, obviously, the general team impression is pretty much defense, defense, defense. Uh, Pablo has kind of implemented that, especially last year, um, bringing in, um, you know, Axel, uh, who we all know and love, one of our favorite defenders here, um, uh, you know, with uh, two great keepers, Howard and McMath. Um, they're still going to, I think, be a, a defensive, defensively stalwart team. Um, but I think the same question is going to be, can they score points? Uh, can they score goals? Um they typically sit back and play pretty defensively. Um, but I think this year, um, you know, Harrison coming in into a second year, Cerna should be a little bit, um, it should be healthier. And then bringing in uh, uh, Boateg um, as a winger, I think their counterattack is going to be a lot better than it has been in the past. I uh, still have, you know, your forwards of uh, Gashi, Doyle, um, and Badgie. Uh, picked up Gordon in the off season, so they're trying to add a little bit more offensive firepower. Um, so yeah, I think that you know there's a that they're going to be viable uh, for for this year. Uh, season long fantasy targets, um, one on defense, which is obviously Axel, um, just an aerial threat, a good defender. Um, midfield, 
Harrison would be my only real um, pick from there. Possibly um, Ariza or Cronin um, for like a center defensive mid pick. And then offensively, I still really like Gashi. Uh, I think that he, uh, if if he, uh, barring rotation, I think he'll be a great uh, player uh, this year. So, Guy or Phil, uh, anything to add? But also, do you all think that Colorado has made the offensive additions that it's needed to have an offense this year? Um, what offensive additions? I guess uh, Alan Gordon as a, as a sub. But the starting four is going to be the same. Um, Boateng is a center defensive midfielder. He, he won't be on the wing. So he'll actually probably replace a zero in the starting lineup. Uh, I think... Uh, Jason forgot to mention the most important thing. That's week one. Um, Tim Howard is still injured. Uh, Zach McMath at 4.5 for week one at home against New England. He's in my starting lineup right now. So, hey, Phil, so I, I, I thought I read an article that said that Boateng was a, was a winger. I could be wrong. But also, um, I, also re- I heard something else um, on Twitter that they were saying McMath could possibly be um, – on the bench that Howard may be healthy enough to play week one. Yes. Uh, so, Howard seems to be ahead of schedule. That's what Bruce Arena said. I think uh, he was. Yeah, that, that's what it back. was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, yeah, Bruce Serena let it slip in a press conference that they were asking him about uh, who his goalkeeper was going to be at the end of March when the USA plays Honduras and San Jose. And he said that he'd like to see Tim Howard back by week one in MLS, which was news to everyone. So Tim Howard might be back week one. Definitely keep an eye on that. But uh, as of right now, uh, I really hope that Zach McBeth plays week one so I can have him at 4.5. Yeah, he's in my lineup as well. Um, I have a question for you guys. Uh, on the back line here, we've got Axel at 6.5, but Eric Miller is only 5.0. Is there a reason why I would want to pay 1.5 extra dollars to get Axel instead of the cheapest option on the back line? God, give an answer for that. No, I don't. I mean, it's I, especially when the budgets are still just starting out. I think I think the the lesser of the two evils is to go with the budget on that one. And uh, we need to start a trend at uh, Free McMath. I mean, how how crap is that that he's got to worry about Tim Howard's schedule? He's such a class keeper. You know, he was available in the expansion draft, and uh, Atlanta could have taken him. And then replaced him midseason with Guzan. That would have been two years in a row. Oh, where he was that replaced would have been bad. By yeah. That would have been rough. That would have been rough. Yeah, no, I, I think math is great. I don't know if he's gotten all the credit he should have for, for some of the work that he did last year for, for uh, Colorado. But uh, definitely would love to see him get a shot during opening weekend. Uh, and I think you're right, Phil, especially for the opening weekend challenge when prices aren't going to be changing. Uh, I think you go with the value there because you're really just looking for the clean sheets. You're not... The, the goals that defenders can get you, yeah, that that's what helped Axel get that 164-point total uh, to get him up there. And and those big guys are going to get the points uh, eventually, but you, you can't bank on that. And if you're just clean sheet hunting, then you find the cheapest guy you can and go for the clean sheet. Yeah, I agree know, with you guys. The change in price for defenders was to make clean sheets more valuable. So wh- why would the strategy change at all to get the cheapest guy on a back line you think will get a clean sheet? 
Well, I think it makes them more valuable, more affordable. So if you do want to get that guy, if you feel like they have a good shot at getting those offensive points, it makes them a little bit easier. Or even the the pure offensive guys in general, like uh, the awfuls of of the league, um, it, it makes them a bit more appealing. Or even a tyranny every now and then to try to get one of those guys and they're not sitting in that $8 billion range. But that's just my thought. So there's Chicago. Uh, definitely defense is something we always are going to talk about with Chicago. Uh, limited offensive moves. We'll see if they can get some stuff going this season uh, to to really push again for that playoff spot. Moving on to Dallas. Phil, your favorite team to talk about. So why don't you kick it off? Well, Dallas is going to be very interesting in fantasy this year. Um, first of all, uh, the team has already mentioned, I think it was Fernando Clavijo. I'm not exactly sure. I, I tried to find the quote. I could not find it. But somebody in the front office has mentioned that CONCACAF Champions League is the priority in the first half of the season. So that means that there's a CONCACAF Champions League game three days before the season opener. And the CONCACAF Champions League game is in Panama. Then they're going to fly directly to L.A. for the season opener three days later. So week one at L.A., I cannot recommend anybody from Dallas because I don't know what the lineup's going to be. I actually think that there's going to be a lot of rotation on this Dallas team. And it's going to continue because I expect them to go the whole way to the CONCACAF Champions League final in May. So for the first two months, or at the end of April. Anyway, the first two months of the season, I expect them to have a lot of rotation in league games. So I'm not really even sure where to start. I mean, there's a bunch of players that I could possibly recommend, but I'm, I don't know if they'll be in the lineup. So it's very difficult for me what to say for Dallas. Well, then let's uh, let Phil, you're you a guy, or Jason, you're a guy, can jump in here with Phil. Um, Diaz is gone, but we've got, um, Jason, one of your your favorite guys coming in, uh, Morales, Javier Morales. Is, is he someone who's going to be able to pull the strings while Diaz has gone effectively to help give them some of this needed... Um, I mean, it, it's it's just weird to think of Dallas not coming out strong because the last two years, that's what they've done. You've wanted Dallas teams, so uh, Dallas players with your team. So do you, do you think Morales, if he's not getting rotated for CCL, can help do that, fill that Diaz gap? Totally. I think that if he stays healthy and, uh, you know, barring rotation as well, I think that, he, I mean, he, he's still a, a top-shelf player. You know, he is 30, I believe 37, 38 years old, but he's still a quality player his set piece skill is second to none. I mean, you know, he may be not as fast as he was um, or have the stamina, but I mean, you know, you bring him in for 60 minutes or bring him in as a super sub. He's going to, he's going to make an impact instantly uh, when he gets on the field. Um, But that's the thing though. There's so many playmakers in Dallas's midfield. So it's going to be interesting to see who starts and who doesn't. But think about uh, Javi. I think he is the prime candidate to be rotated in league games because he's got a wealth of CONCACAF Champions League experience with RSL. So I think he will start in Panama and then not start at LA for week one. So I think Dallas will actually be in a 4-4-2 on opening day with uh, possibly Tesho and Arudi at forward, uh, not without Javi and possibly without Coleman. So that'll be a really interesting game. I think we'll even see some extra homegrown players. I think uh, Reggie Cannon... He is uh, uh, possibly could start at right back for the league opener at 4.0, but I don't know. It's it's really difficult to say. 
I know one of my fantasy go-to players last year, especially when Diaz was gone, uh, was always uh, Barrios because I just I just seemed like whenever I decided not to pick up Barrios, he would would get a brace or something like that. So um, maybe he's the one we'll be leaning on for Dallas coverage at times this this year again. So both Barrios and Lama are 8.0. Those are going to be the wingers. And I think they're both going to do really well. I think Barrios struggled in the second half of last season when Castillo left because defenses could key on him. Yeah. And now yeah. that Lamar is on the other side, I think he'll be a quality left winger uh, and be able to. I think they'll be quite balanced between those two at 8.0. So I don't know which one to go with right now, but either one is a really good possibility a few weeks into the season. And then at forward, both Coleman and Arudi are 8.5. Um, I would lean toward Coleman right now because he's the most expensive signing in FC Dallas history. So you've got to think that they go with him if there's a one forward set up. But I also think that Arudi is going to get a lot of time in a 4-4-2 when Javi is out. And so Arudi might actually be the better league play, at least while the team is in CCL. There we go. Great tips on on Dallas. Uh, like I said, it's going to be strange not not seeing them be explosive potentially at the beginning of the season. But there are some definitely options with some of these new players and rotations that should help people find value. Uh, Guy, haven't had a chance to talk a whole lot right now. Let's move on to Houston. Uh, Houston had some shakeups last season. Uh, do you have any kind of general impressions on them going into 2017? I mean. Not really. I mean, I, I I feel bad, but Houston's not really my forte. But they they didn't splash the market in the way that I thought they they really needed to. Um, and I've always been a big Maidana fan. I don't. I just don't. I don't get it. You know, it's like you have Kubo Torres on your roster, and like he never got a fair shake. He never got the game time that you know he was really deserved. And then. You know, I, th- I thought Maidana was phenomenal in Philadelphia. And then he goes to Houston, and Houston's kind of where you go to let your career die in the MLS, it seems like. So um, I think that, yeah, they've offloaded uh, Will Bruin, so they can't be any worse than they were. Um, so Will Bruin will not be on your Houston lineup weeks one through four, getting his only goals of the year. So keep that in mind. Um, yeah, I just, I'm pretty underwhelmed what they, you know, there was nothing that just stood out to me. It was like, oh, that's a great move. They're going to be. A contender. I mean, I guess, you know, Phil has a different opinion of him, but I just, I, I don't see it. Now, is your opinion, Phil, based on some of the defensive changes that Houston has done? Because they, they have buffed that up a little bit. Well, the first change that really uh, started to win me over was that coach. I mean, mm-hmm. Owen Coyle was the reason why Kubo's career died there. Um, I thought his tactics were incredibly old school, uh, brute force, long ball. Uh, very boring, MLS 1.0. He showed that he didn't understand the league at all. And then in the second half of the year, I was really impressed with Mauro Minotas stepping up, as well as Alex. And so I think that those two were the brightest spots of the second half of the season that they could build on for this year. Mm -hmm. Then the moves in the offseason I really liked. Um, In defense, they got some veterans in. Uh, Machado, he's a Panamanian uh, international with like 30 or more caps for Panama. Um, Leonardo, he's mistake prone, but actually he had some massive clearance and interception numbers in 2015 when he was last a starter. And then DeMarcus Beasley Beasley and AJ De La Garza at fullback. Those guys are veterans that are very capable. Um, I was looking at Beasley's numbers last year and he was still uh, averaging like 2.8 tackles per game, which I really didn't expect at all from DeMarcus Beasley. But 
he just has an incredible work rate and hustle, even at, I think he's 35 now. So yeah, their back line is all 29 and over, which uh, is actually a good thing, I think, because that's a lot of experience. And then on the wings, they got two really speedy Hondurans. They have Albert Elis at one wing and Romel Kyoto at the other wing. And these are both Honduran internationals. So Elis played this past summer in Rio for uh, the Honduran Olympic team, the U23 team. He had two goals and took Honduras to the fourth place game uh, where they lost. They got they finished in fourth in the Olympics. And then Kyoto has played on the national team for Honduras with Bonit Garcia. So there should be a lot of chemistry with three Hondurans in this, this probably in the starting lineup. And then the coach, Wilmer Cabrera, is the guy that was the coach in Chivas USA's last season when Kubo scored 15 goals. So if there's anybody that can revive Kubo Torres' career, it's Wilmer Cabrera. So I'm actually really optimistic about this team. I think they're going to finish in fifth place in the West. Wow. Wow, big call right now. I don't know. I mean, I guess I <clears throat> I see what you're saying, and I, I didn't give the Honduran uh, element enough credit, but yeah, it's it's an aged back line, and I just think that you know week one through through six that might be okay, but over the course of us, the MLS season is so long, and that's it, that's a very old line to have to to have to compete day in and day out, especially in the Western Conference where it's gotten so much faster up front. It seems like I don't know. I mean, I, I wish him well. I don't wish him any ill will. I. I just hope they can. I'm just a Kubo Torres fan, and I'm just salty he got treated the way he did. So maybe that's a bias. Well, it sounds like we might be able to get some more more uh, playtime for him this season. So that's that's good all around. Real quick, Jason, uh, you'll be the tiebreaker. What are you? Are you hot or not for Houston? Uh, I think they'll finish, you know, sixth, seventh. But the only player I would touch would be uh, Boniek, just because in preseason he's been playing as that uh, that center attacking mid. And um, he's taking all set pieces. Other than that, I'm going to steer clear until they show that they don't suck. Okay, so not necessarily an open week. Did you say something, Phil? Yeah, I was going to say, my preview for Houston comes out on Wednesday at AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. There we go. Check it out. Check it out and find out more about Houston. I know if Travis was here, he'd probably say some good things, too. Uh, But, Jason, keep us going. Let's talk about L.A. They... Uh, were pretty quiet near the beginning of the the transfer window. And, I mean, honestly, still pretty quiet. Not a lot has happened at L.A., so how are you breaking them down? Yeah, I mean, L.A., just with, you know, the name, the brand, and the market that they're in, they're always going to be a contender for the West. Um, you know, Roe uh, proved himself to be really good uh, in keeper. Um defensively they were they were you know they were good Steris, van dam cole um but they did lose aj de la garza to houston um so you know i still think defensively they'll be well uh, they'll do good um midfield i think that this is going to be a big year for sebastian legette uh 7.5 i think he could be a very good fantasy asset um in the midfield um i know that they were pretty excited about um alessandrini uh, he's, I, I've never, I personally don't know anything about him. I, I've never seen him play, but I just know there's a lot of hype around that name and he's 9 million. So I'm assuming he's probably a very good player. Um, and then, uh, GDS is a stud without, you know, Keen's no longer there. Gordon's not there. So he's going to be, 
the main man. And for 10 million, um, I think that's a good bet for a forward. Um, week one, they are home. It's Dallas. And like Phil said before, Dallas, there's gonna be a lot of rotation. So uh, I think that having uh, Geo or Legit could be very good um, for some points. Now, Guy, you were talking something about L.A. before uh, we started recording everything. Um, what are you thinking about their moves? I know you said I think they were losing some age. Do, is this going to be a team centered around Giovanni Dos Santos? I would hope so. I mean, <clears throat> I think you got rid of Gerard, and you know Keane has moved on. I, it just looks like they've made the right moves to – to make GDS the centerpiece, and he's he's worthy of it. I mean, he really is. Um, you know, Legette's always impressed, but it, it it seemed like they were a team of two minds last year. Like, they knew they had some really good young talent coming through, um, <clears throat> but they kind of defaulted a little bit to, you know, the, the elder statesman of the group. And now that that's gone, I, I, I really think they're a team to be feared this year. Phil, any um, any truth to the Javier Hernandez rumors possibly coming to LA sometime this year? Chicharito, uh, I Chicharito, think he's yeah. to LAFC, not LA Galaxy. Exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking. I think the play here on fantasy for LA Galaxy is definitely legit. Seven point five. He's priced like he's still playing defensive midfield, but he's actually going to be a winger this year. Very nice. Yeah, he's been so playing wing all se- all preseason, and um, mm-hmm. I forget the new coach's name, but he said he was in one of his interviews. He talked about how the Jets going to be uh, on the wing. Yeah, that's a great shout, Phil. That's right. Yeah, I mean that is the biggest departure from LA this year is is Bruce Arena. So uh, a little bit different. Maybe that's why some of the the mindset change there. Is this a team that you guys like for the opening weekend challenge? I do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're gonna spend some money and and you don't really want to have to worry about, it, I mean, yeah, get GDS as your main forward, and he's a good a shout on on day one as anybody else. So, you know, and I think now that he's had some time to be in that 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 element, I I just think he's only gonna get better. So, he's probably my my starting forward for the for the weekend. And of course, they're going up against Dallas. I won't fault you for playing an LA Galaxy player, but I won't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a good Well, you've already got Dallas going through to the Champions League final and I mean it, it, it could be a little bit of a bias on your end, so But then I picked Houston to make the playoffs, so it evens out, right? You're just you're just trying to get that karma to balance out. We see how it's right. I don't know. Uh, Houston, that's 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 a bold move, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, but it's it's all so recorded. Colorado so. last year, you know. So <laughs> I don't come That's on true. here to pick Stairs and Zimmerman and Campbell every week like last year. Come on to make the bold predictions. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Phil, let's just keep you going on on your reviews. Minnesota, um, they've probably had some of the least buzz of the two teams coming in this year. Uh, is is that justified? Is is this a team that we're going to be looking to for fantasy value or the team that we're going to be stacking our fantasy teams against to get the points? Well, in week one, you're stacking against them completely. I think everybody should have four Portland players in their lineup. Week one, Minnesota at Portland. 
Um, I, I mean, I hate to pick on the expansion team because they're cool and new. Their logo is awesome. But it's just every expansion team goes through growing pains, and this, it's going to happen to them. Um, I do think there's some sneaky value here. Uh, first of all, uh, Calvo at center back, he's 6.0, but he at his previous team, he took free kicks and penalty kicks. Yeah. So that would be crazy to have a defender that has free kick and penalty kick value. So I'm going to be waiting. I'm, I'm not buying anybody here week one, but I'm going to be waiting on him. Then on the wing, we have both Kadri and Venegas, 7.5. Uh, I think that that is actually a, a good value for them. But I don't know who's starting yet, and so I need to kind of wait and see on, on those guys. Um, we've also got Dunlady, their, uh, their, fir- their number one uh, draft pick. Good draft, yeah. He's 5.5. Now, he's probably a backup to Christian Ramirez, but he's also going to get some starts. Uh, They're really impressed with him, and and they have a lot of faith in him. So at 5.5, that will be great if we can kind of see the lineup ahead of time and know that he's going to play. And um, on the back line, line, I'm just going to stick with Calvo. I don't don't want either. Their fullbacks are 4.5, but I don't really want either of them. What about you, Jason? Have you had a chance to really sit down and look at Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Um, just from some of the previews that I've watched on Twitter um, of the games. Um, so far, I mean, we all know Molino's an explosive player when he played in Orlando. Um, but I do think that at 9.5, that's a little expensive for an unproven team. Uh, we don't know if they've been gelling. But <clears throat> with that being said, um, everything is pretty much ran through Molino. Uh, but I, I don't think I touch anybody from this. Um, I, I'm glad you did touch on Calvo Phil. Cause that was my, that I was going to talk about that, but then I believe it was last year, the year before, who was that guy that played for Philly? That was a center back that took set that supposedly took set pieces. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Uh, was it Fabinho? Oh, no, he, he was, he was a center back like a couple years ago that Philly brought in and everybody thought he was going to take set pieces because he did the same thing and everybody brought him in. And I think he took one direct kick and missed horribly and never took another set piece again. Um, so I would just watch out for Calvo. If he does take set pieces, he'll be like a tyranny, um, you know, somebody like that. Um, but then again, though, 6.0 or 6 million for a defender on a brand new team. That's pretty risky. Good idea. So, Guy, we mentioned that everyone should have Portland players on their team. And I, I guess I kind of did a, a little bit of unfairness to you having to talk about Houston at the beginning. But this is more your wheelhouse. So tell us about Portland. I mean, Portland, I think their number one goal this year is to win a road game early, to just put that to bed. Um, the talent is still there. I mean, <clears throat> we brought back... Uh, Dirona Spria, and uh, fun fact, he was my neighbor for a bit over here, and he's a really cool dude. Um, yeah, uh, we got Sebastian Blanco in, um, and it really looks like, I mean, from some of the preseason we've seen, that him and Valeri and Nagby kind of going forward behind uh, Adier is going to be a positive thing. And, like, it really shouldn't have been – I got to put it down to coaching. If we can't coach on the road any better than what we did last year, we're, we're going to be in the same boat. But I mean, really, 
Portland is all about the midfield because you're not going to get Jack Mack. You're not really going to be looking at, at Maddox coming off the bench to replace Adi. So, I mean, the, the, the back line, it's it's a little bit of a helter skelter to me. I mean, people like Vitas, people like Ridgewell. I just don't see a lot of fantasy points coming out of Portland's back line. It's, it's all about the middle for me. You know, Valeri, um, Blanco, and then Nagby if he gets on, on a roll. But Nagby's never been a huge producer of fantasy points in this format. So, Hopefully he turns that corner this year. What do you all think about the addition of Chance Myers to the back line? I think he was garbage in Kansas City, and I think he's going to be garbage in Portland. Ooh, harsh. I mean, I mean, like nice, nice guy, but yeah, he's all he has. I mean, maybe the only thing he has in his future is the Pantene Pro V commercial for his hair, and that's about it. I don't see him <laughs> playing much or doing much better. No, I mean, he, he was he dealing with hair. injuries last season, I believe. He cut his hair, and then he lost his power. That's what happened. Uh, there you go. Sorry. I mean, no, you he, can definitely tell. I mean, yeah, the, the, the back line of Portland is uh, Liam Ridgewell above and beyond anything because he's a popular player here. Um, you know, he's kind of got his own niche in Portland now. And then, you know, with, with Borchers retiring this year, it's kind of up in the air. I mean, we really didn't see a whole lot of Vitas last year to say he's going to be that guy for us. I mean, when we gave up, you know, uh, via Fania, I still can't believe we did that. <sighs> Damn it. Um, we just lost so much of our momentum out of the back. When you saw via Fania running down that flank and just delivering pinpoint crosses and, I mean, on the run, and then his free kick ability, and to sell him after the championship like that, we just never – rebounded from selling off Viafania and uh, those other couple guys. It, our back line used to really be part of the movement of the team, and as of late, it just hasn't been. So there's there's definitely some shoes to fill back there if somebody wants to step up and do it. But I'm not going to put any Portland, you know, aside from chasing a clean sheet week one, yeah, there's, there's no reason to look at Portland back line for any other additional points in my mind. All right. Well, you said it, Phil. Four Portland players on your team. Who are they going to be if, if you go with that route? Well, uh, shout out to the guys in uh, Nerd League. I'm in the uh, Nerd League with a lot of the American Soccer Analysis guys. It's this extremely competitive uh, fantasy league with uh, GAM, TAM, expansion draft, uh, reentry draft, super auction. It's insane. So shout out to those guys. Um, in the chat, we are uh, just talking I think it was Sean Steffen said that Portland is the best front four in the league. And I said, well, wait a second. What about Giovinco, Josie, some other guy, and who cares? <laughs> Don't say Josie like that. Don't say Josie. Like, oh. if you, say, you cannot put Giovinco, Josie. Like, there's no pause. It has to be a definite pause because he is definitely second class. Well, well, they're 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 working something together with the holdup play. But go ahead, go on. Anyway, that was just a joke. Uh, the Portland front four really probably is the best is the front best front four in the league. Um, so I've got three of them in my fantasy lineup on opening day. I've got Adi, Valeri, and Blanco because, uh, like uh, Guy was saying, Nagby is not uh, necessarily a, a fantasy producer. And then on the defense, I was trying to decide between uh, Alvis Powell and Ridgewell. They're both five and uh, I was thinking about going with Powell because uh, it seems to me like the fullbacks might be pretty good this year just because they can get up and down the flanks. I, I don't know. I'm just trying that one out maybe. I mean, yeah, he definitely needs to start doing – I mean, the model for that for that approach was there. He just never stepped in. I mean, it was big shoes to fill. 
but he never stepped into that last year as a real offensive presence in transition. So maybe another year of development will be good for him. I'm, out, I'm rooting for him, don't get me wrong, but until I see it happening on a regular basis, yeah, the Portland front four is probably where it's at. But for an opening weekend challenge pick, taking a taking a bet on a Powell or a Ridgewell, definitely, definitely viable. Yep. Well, now, Jason, uh, let's go on to the team that you love and let you just talk a little bit, if if you can actually talk just a little bit, about Real Salt Lake. You're a, that's all I'm going to say. No, um, I, with the love that I have for this team, I will be honest, and I would not touch their defense at all, especially game week one. Um, and I know it's only been preseason, but RSL let in three goals to Portland, um, and I believe one or two um, uh, to it was a Vancouver. Um, I forget. Um, but I know it's preseason, but defensively, they're still trying to work out the kinks. They're still trying to figure out, um, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of rotation um, within the center backs and within the wing backs. We, both of our drafts went to um, defensive picks, so I would steer clear from the defense. Um, midfield, uh, Rusnak, the new signing that we got from FC Gronin, is uh, has been playing out of his mind. He's uh, taking shots. His creativity has been on point. Uh, and for nine mil, I think that I, I don't think you play in week one, but I think he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Um, him and uh, Plata have been both splitting corner kicks, um, but Plata has been on PK. Well, he should be on PKs and uh, he's been taking all direct kicks. He had a really a stunning one against Portland. Uh, fantastic goal. Um, forward wise, I, I think um, for the value, Yura is it's too good to pass up, but on week one, I don't think you take him. I think if you do take an RSL forward, it should be Plata just because of the set piece duties. And at nine mil, um, I think it's great. Um, the two P or the three people to keep an eye on that are a good bargain are, um, Allen. Uh, he's six, six mil plays, uh, midfield. We all know him. He was our 4.5 or 5 million, um, defender that would play sporadically last year. Um, he's been starting on the right wing, and he's he scored two goals this year uh, in preseason already. Um, he looks to be winning that right wing job. Um, but then we also have um, Sebastian Saucedo, who went on loan um, in Liga MX last year. I'm sorry for the past two years. Um, he looks to be pretty good at 5.0, but um, Velasco, 4.5, and he has looked amazing. He's uh, one of the Monarchs. Um, all-star players uh, so he looks really good uh, at 4.5 um, so yeah keep an eye on those players but I think Rusnak, Plata, and Yura are your three best bets nice anybody else have something to add about RSL I want- just that they're not very good yeah. <laughs> wow what are you gonna do you gonna drive over to my house and punch me I think not I would never do that mm-hmm. I'm a lover not a fighter you know that I watched uh, RSL play San Jose, so uh, everybody have please have pity on me. Um, it was a terrible <laughs> game. It was awful. Um, the two there were two players that stood out to me for San Jose, Nick Lima. We'll get to him. Uh, but for RSL, it was Jordan Allen, uh, six And if he does win that right wing spot, I think he'll be 
a, a contributor for this team. I, I was really impressed with him. He won, actually won three free kicks, or I think it was actually two free kicks just outside of the box, and then a penalty kick in just a half of play. He was only on for the second half. Um, so I was really impressed by Jordan Allen at 6.0. Yeah. Well, Phil, you mentioned San Jose. Let's just let you keep going with that. Who do you like down there? Just as a team, who do you like? <laughs> There's only one guy I love on San Jose. That's Wando. <laughs> uh, Wando, he's 8.5. Again, I, I I, mean, you can't ever discount Wando. I mean, he's last year he was 33. He had no playmaker that would play him through balls. And he still was one of the top forwards in the game. Um, he had... 0.52 expected goals per game. That puts him in the top dozen forwards in the league. Um, for 8.5, I think he's possibly the best value in the entire game again. So um, I go with him. In midfield, it's just a, a wasteland. Um, San Jose, is, it's a bunch of two-way players. Uh, there's no real playmaker. There's nobody delivering through balls. Uh, Dom Kinnear just stresses, get the ball out wide, get it forward, and cross it in. And so it's just an endless deluge of crosses to nobody except for Wando. Um, in the back, Nick Lima, I just mentioned him. He was really impressive in that RSL game. Um, he was uh, stealing the ball, winning the ball back. He was getting it forward, and he was finding dangerous passes, as well as beating his man to the end line and getting crosses off. He's 4.5. So... Um, Take a risk with Nick Lima on your back line, possibly in week one. They're home against Montreal. I mean, Montreal should be a pretty good team again this year. But uh, for 4.5, I'm going to roll the dice with Nick Lima week one, as well as Wando. Ooh, bold. Uh, Jason, our guy, is San Jose a team that you're looking for for the opening week challenge? Yeah, I have a defender. Um, I actually have Bernardes. Um, I, I was looking at downgrading him to win, but now that you bring up Lima... Um, if he does start, that's a great shout. The only other person would be, uh, um, Tommy Thompson, um, at 5.5. He's been playing a lot of preseason. He's looked pretty good. Um, you know, and for a 5.5 starter, uh, that may be pretty good. Uh, well, you know, Wando is, you know, he's been as crazy as it sounds. He's been one of the most consistent forwards and fantasy players the past, I don't know, three, three, four years since whenever it started. But my only concern is I, I think that there's so many other better options for game week one um, than Wando. So I'm going to pass on Wando, but uh, I, I like at least one defender from San Jose, if not two. I, I think we have to mention David Bingham right now, because if memory serves, didn't he get into it a little bit over fantasy with some of the extra time radio crew? He did. That he, he did. I he he seems to think I believe that he is a pretty good value. So I don't know. David Bingham may be one to consider long term. Um, he had a, a a nice score last year as well. So um, I don't know. I'm just saying David Bingham seems to have fantasy on the mind. Might be worth taking a look at. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of David Bingham on the. I mean, he's he's a he's actually a very decent MLS caliber keeper, and I. I just wish that he had more in front of him because he's, he's a fun guy to root for, for sure. But, um, yeah, I don't know if they made the jump, so to speak, in, in the talent level. But, yeah, I mean, Wando as a, as a, as a chance play on week one, nothing wrong with that. Bingham is 6.0, so that's the most expensive price for a goalkeeper. So I would only pick him on a week where he really does have the best matchup. 
True. I think he was one of the top five last year as well. Number three. Number three. There we go. He was right there. So maybe he'll come on the show sometime and talk fantasy with us. Who knows? I'm talking to you, David Bingham. Guy, uh, I'm going to be mean to you again, and I'm going to make you talk about the Seattle Sounders now. Um, now, I think you can't deny they did pretty well last year. So what do you think about them for 2017? Um, Crickets. No, I mean, what do you say about Seattle? That's PG. Well, let's uh, let's let's start with this one then. Um, of course, they've got Ladero coming back, but they also have Dempsey coming back. So, how do you see just the team functioning with Ladero and Dempsey? And then give me a little bit about Morris or Dempsey if you're trying to make that choice. You know, I obviously the guy wants to play, and I just. It's a big risk because that team had such great chemistry through that playoff run. And it seems like Ladero and Morris definitely have, you know, a, a very good relationship. Like they, they get each other adding Dempsey. And he says, I mean, like most strikers, he's a, he's a selfish player. He wants to be the main man. And I think they're going to run into the LA syndrome where Morris is the future Ladero's the present and Dempsey was the past, but he still he's still going to want to command that field like he's still in charge. I I, I think they're going to stumble a bit and they have the talent, but I think they're going to have kind of a personality issue there. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Pump the brakes! No way! This team <laughs> is going to be totally fine with Morris Dempsey Ladero on the field. Um, at that point, when if Dempsey truly is healthy, then either Harry Ship or Will Bruin sits, probably Will Bruin, so that Jordan Morse can play forward once again. Ladero is totally fine in the wings. He's not a vocal leader. Dempsey can take control from the midfield, be the gunslinger that he always is, and the team will be extremely successful. I mean, yeah, what, you would say the same thing about LA last year. They're totally fine, but they weren't totally great like they were when it was just, I mean, the teams need a leader. I mean, when you when you look at like a like a Portland, for example, there's there's the one guy they look to. When you look at LA now, there's one guy they look to. I maybe I'm just hoping there's a problem, and I'm kind of projecting that. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying none of them are talented, and they're going to be less talented playing together. I'm just saying there was a system of play that won them the championship, and it didn't include Dempsey, and now he's going to want his share too. And let's let's see that's how that fair. works out for him. That's that system of play only worked because Diaz was injured. Otherwise, they would not. And they got a lucky offside call as well. I think a lot of that was being hot at the right time and being lucky. I think that yeah, well, with Dempsey in the field, well, they're actually a better. Well, team. No, no, guys, we don't but need Portland to be only won because back. we had the greatest goalposts in the history of goalposts. I mean, <laughs> that's you can look at any championship run and be like, well, it's because of that. I mean, yes, yeah, but. You know, well, let's 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 not let's not look too far back in 2016. We're thinking about 2017 here going going forward. I, I think it's clearly Morris Dempsey and Ladero who have to be your fantasy standouts for the long term. Um, they are away to Houston for the, the opening weekend. Do you go with a Ladero? Do you go with a Dempsey or Morris in your opening weekend challenge team? Or are those players going to be a little bit too pricey for what you got? What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I I personally just have Ladero um, in my lineup just because he's Ladero. And really quick to comment on this little tip that just went on. 
I you saw how good Dempsey was with um, Oba a couple years ago. Morris is a completely different player. If anything, I think Dempsey will hurt Morris. Um, Morris's value in this game, yeah, Dempsey's a creator, but def- Dempsey is a you know fantastic player, but he is selfish. And I don't think that he will benefit Morris as much as people think. With that being said, I think Ladero is fine. His price tag is the most expensive midfielder, but he has shown us that he is that elite of a player. Um, so for me, I'm just picking uh, Ladero for the first game. And um, I, I really do like Joven Jones at five mil. Um, again, like Phil said earlier, I think that wingers are going to be, or I'm sorry, wingbacks um, are going to be very good this year. Uh, plus you get the clean sheet bonus as well. So I'm going to stick with the budget option on Seattle and go with Jones and um, Ladero. Okay, Phil, Guy, you each get one parting statement before we go on. So, Phil, last thoughts on Seattle. Uh, right at the beginning of the season, you're going to get uh, Harry Ship on the field. He's uh, 7.0. Uh, if you're looking for a $7 midfielder, take a gamble on Harry Ship. Uh, I personally do not have any Seattle players on my team. Week one, they're at Houston, which I think is going to be a better team than people think. Um, so I... But I don't. I would not blame you at all with uh, Ladero at eleven, or if you're going cheap, Harry Ship at seven. Guy, closing yeah, thoughts I, on Seattle. Closing thoughts. Uh, the only must-have player they have, um, if you're going to spend the money, is Ladero. I mean, you don't know who's going to get the goals ahead of him, um, but you know who's going to provide the assist, and that's Ladero. I like it. I like it. Jason, tell us about Sporting Kansas City. What do you think? Um. Well, um, I think that they're going to be okay this year. I, I still think that they're going to miss playoffs um, because, again, they have not really invested heavily um, or splashed the cash. Um, defensively, last season, we all remember that they they were extremely hot. Um, I think Malia is still a decent keeper. Um, defensively, though, um, you know, we all loved Iko Parra if he could stay healthy. He's probably one of the better center backs in the league, but that's a big question mark. Um, you know, Beezer's getting a little bit older and he's still at a premium price. You have Ellis, um, who is, you know, proved to be a decent center back, but, um, I, I, I don't like any of their defensive options. Midfielders, you still have Benny, um, you know, who, who's performed. I think he was in the top, was he what in top five still, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was number five. Exactly. So, you know, Benny is still, you know, a good shout. Um, the only thing, though, is, you know, SKC, um, they're playing on the road at D.C., um, so I really don't like any of uh, the midfielders on that. Uh, if you want to, I guess you can go get Benny. Um, but, and then, I mean, yeah, then you have Dom Dwyer at nine, which I think is actually a pretty fair price for his production. Um I know they they got Kill or Cameron Porter, who I really enjoyed seeing up in. Uh, I believe he was in um, Montreal. Is that correct, guys? Before he got injured, uh, I don't remember. Cameron no, Porter? I think that's that's somebody else. You said Cameron that, Porter. Yeah, wasn't he in Montreal? Yeah, he's the one that scored that amazing uh, Concacaf Champions League goal, and everyone went crazy in Montreal. Yeah, and oh, then he tore his ACL. Yeah, he tore yeah, his ACL. Okay, okay, there we go. Yep. Yeah. 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 So I mean, you know, seeing him there, I think that. Uh, He's one to keep an eye on at five mil, um, just because he seems to have a you know a great eye for goal. But 
Um, I'm not. I'm personally not really big on anyone here in uh, Kansas City, especially for Week One. Like I said, since they're playing away at DC, um, so yeah, that's. Plus, I'm still bitter about MLS Cup. So, yeah. Uh, just breathe. Just, just breathe. How about you, guy? Anybody you like down at Sporting Kansas City? Uh, not really. I mean, <laughs> they no. didn't have a lot of action. Not, not a lot of movement. There wasn't a lot of movement, and yeah, I'm just not, no. Nothing I'm looking at week one anyway. Maybe they'll surprise me. We'll talk about them week two, but week one, I think we're all kind of going toward a, not not a template, but we're all kind of going in a, in a certain direction. Phil? I've got, I've got a, a hot take here. Uh, Zussi, I think he is going to be moved to fullback more than likely. That's the big rumor, yep. Uh, I mean, it's possible he's still going to be a winger for Kansas City and then a fullback for country, but um, I I'm, I don't think he ha- he has enough speed or enough goal scoring contribution to stay a winger for Kansas City. They really need goals from the wing, um, so they brought on two new wingers, um, Gerso Fernandez, who uh, I looked at his stats and he doesn't really seem to be a goal scorer, but they talk about him in the press like he is. So I'm really not sure what he's going to bring to the table. He's 8.0, so I'm waiting on him. But I think who's going to take Zussi's spot is Latif Blessing. He's in the game as a 7.5 forward. He led Ghana, the Ghana Premier League, in goals last year with 17 goals. Uh, now, I have no idea what the level of play is in Ghana. But a guy that leads the league was the league MVP and scored 17 goals has my eye especially when he's only 7.5. So I'm really keeping my eye on Latif Blessing, Kansas City, 7.5 forward. So I have to say, uh, as far as Gerso goes, from what I know about him is he is mostly a guy who provides service out from the wings, and so we may be able to see a whole lot more of crosses sent into the box from him, but that uh, Sporting Kansas City has given him the green light to be more aggressive and take more shots. So that might be where... The offensive element is coming from. Uh, but I also just want to make sure, and I'm kind of surprised no one said something. Um, I just want to make sure people keep an eye on Eric Palmer Brown. He was out on loan last year or so for Sporting Kansas City. Got a lot of experience down um, while he was on on loan. So uh, he he's playing on defense. He has some more experience under his belt. If injuries or just some rotations with national team do happen, we could see... Palmer Brown hopping in there at 4.5, and he could end up being a pretty good value at times for people. Just my take. Uh, but yeah, yeah, lots of interesting options going on for sport in Kansas City. Last team, uh, Phil, this was one that you did a uh, review in the, the team profiles for during the primer. Uh, Vancouver, what do you like? This is a siren going off. We have a defender that is actually playing midfield. (laughs) (laughs) Out of position player. (laughs) Alfonso Davies. He's a 4.5 defender, but he's been starting during the preseason at the wing position. Um, So I'm really uh, excited about him. If he can hold down a wing position, which I'm not sure he can, because uh, Vancouver has both. Kakuta Mane and Christian Bolaños, who are their usual winger wingers. But it's possible if they totally whiff on a DP forward signing that Christian Bolaños could move to the middle and Alfonso Davies could be a starter at 4.5 on the wing. Um, 
basically the rest of this team is appears to be overpriced to me. Um, you got Giles Barnes at seven point five. He's always hot and cold. Um, he was. They tried to transfer him to Blackburn to give him back to Owen Coyle. They were going to give him away for free, and then they couldn't negotiate a wage at Blackburn, and so he went back to Vancouver. So that to me just just screams that he doesn't want to be there. He's probably not very motivated. I don't want him on my fantasy team. Kukudamane, he's 8.0. I would definitely go with him with the right matchup at the right week. Uh, week one, they're home against Philly. I mean, that's kind of a maybe. Maybe go with Kukudamane for 8.0. Uh, Bolanios is 8.5. That's kind of getting to the range where he's a little too expensive. Same with their new forward signing, uh, Jordi Reyna. He's 8.5. And it seems like he's kind of a second striker, kind of sits in the slot. And they don't seem to have anybody that's going to lead their line. Um, so I'm really... Uh, unless they can get Freddie Montero, then he could potentially lead their line. That's the hot rumor that's out today. Uh, Freddie Montero coming back from China because of their new roster restrictions. But still, Freddie Montero is yeah. not really like a strong hold-up kind of target forward that I would think that Vancouver wants in their formation. Um, so, uh, I'm, And, of course, he's not in the game. We don't know what his price is going to be, so that's a tough one. But there's one more thing that you should note. Um, week one, Kendall Watson is suspended because of a red card in the last game of last season. So Christian Dean is more than likely going to start next to Tim Parker. Christian Dean is 4.5 and can start on your back line week one, home against Philly. Ooh, great options there. It's a great shout. That is. Guy, uh, Jason, anything else to add to Vancouver? That was pretty comprehensive. No, that, that answered pretty much everything I, I would have wanted to know. So, Yeah. And, and Buster Cascadia, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just have so many problems here, guy. Maybe maybe you should move over to the east and just get a little break. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Okay, well, here it is, the final question I have for you guys. Uh, thanks for all those reviews. I hope people find that helpful. Uh, the final question I have for you all before I just let you talk about anything else you want to is give me your uh, top five keepers, top five budget defenders, uh, top five midfielders, and of course, if you want to say anything about defensive mids, you're welcome to. And uh, your top five forwards, budget or not, for the West. And let's start with uh, Jason. Yeah, so my top five keepers um, for the West, in no particular order, are obviously David Bingham, Rowe, uh, Fry, uh, Ramondo, and um, I was going to say Bush, but he's in, he plays for Montreal. And um, I, I do think that um, Malia is still a good keeper. Uh, I like him playing there. Uh, defensively, um, for budget-wise, now we're talking about like 4.0, 5.0, 5.0 at the most, I'm assuming. Um, I would definitely, if we're talking about 5.0, I think that Joven Jones uh, has to be in your squad. I do like Win as well for San Jose. Um Oh, let's see here. Um, I, I've seen some rumblings that Atiba Harris from Dallas um, has been starting. Is that true, Phil? They've uh, He's been playing center back in preseason games, which is shocking to me. Yeah, so, I mean, Atiba Harris at 5.0 that can play really, I guess, anywhere on the back line and even winger. I think that's uh, great. Um, I do like Parker from Vancouver. Um, and then uh, my last pick uh, for defense – would probably be um, if Taylor does start for Minnesota at 4.5. I think that could be a steal. 
Um, your midfielders are pretty standard in the West. Um, I, I think you definitely have to go with um, Valeri this week. He's my captain. Um, I also really do uh, like um, uh, Ladero as well. I think that he's he's going to be amazing uh, per usual. I think that if Javier Morales does start for Dallas, I think you have to get him. Um, and I, I have a lot more Eastern picks than I do Western picks. Um, but uh, I do think also that uh, – oh, man, yeah, see, here's another Eastern pick. Um, I think Harrison could be a really good pick for Colorado um, for the price tag of 7.0. He's been on fire. And uh, let's see here. Who else? I'm just scrolling down the list. Um, I, I think Rusnak from RSL, if he does end up taking a lot of set pieces, I think he's a must-have. Uh, and then for forward-wise, I think that you have uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, Plata, Adi, uh, Gashi. And then I actually do like, I think, either Kubo Torres or um, – uh, Manotas, I think that one, either one of those two guys could be really good for Houston. So pick your poison. Nice. Phil? Well, that was kind of exhaustive. Maybe I'll just go through and highlight one person in each position that I think could be a standout. Yeah, if you mostly agree with Jason, feel free to just add anything else. Okay. Um, at goalkeeper, um, the goalkeeper position, and let me just go with what I know, in Dallas is wide open again. Um, if you remember last year, it was Jesse Gonzalez, or at the end of two years ago, Jesse Gonzalez was the starter, and so everyone was expecting Jesse to be the starter going into this past season, and right. Chris Seitz won the job. Well, uh, Oscar Pereja is very adamant about how it's a, a week-to-week competition at all times. And he'll actually go to uh, Drew Keishan, the goalkeeper coach, and he'll ask him who had the best week in training. So uh, really, I think Jesse Contellas could win the job back potentially. Uh, so, And uh, Jesse's 4.5. So if he could win that job back, that would be a great starting goalkeeper option to have. Uh, week one, I already said, I'm going with Zach McMath at 4.5 if he's available. So those are two 4.5 goalkeepers that could be starters. Um, on defense, I've already mentioned uh, Nick Lima, 4.5. Christian Dean is going to be a starter for Vancouver week one at 4.5. And I think Reggie Cannon for Dallas, 4.0. I think he's going to get quite a few starts this year. He's a homegrown player. Um, he's a U.S. youth international. And uh, he's got lots of speed and lots of confidence. I think he's like 19 and already, uh, I, and I'm sure he's going to get starts this year, especially with CONCACAF Champions League games. Um, in midfield, we haven't really talked enough about Blanco yet, Sebastian Blanco. Uh, he's 9.0 for Portland. Um, he is a quality player, and people are not going to be very familiar with him because he's just entering the league. But he's really going to be a superstar in this league at 9.0. Um, at forward, uh, it was just kind of mentioned, with glossed over. Mauro Minotas, I think, is one of the best values. He is 7.5. He's going to be starting at center forward for a Houston team that's going to be very much more improved than past year. So if you want a 7.5 forward, Marmanotis is my pick. If you want an 8.5 forward, Wondolowski is my pick. If you want a 9.5 forward, it's Adi in week one at home against Minnesota. (laughs) And Guy, anybody else you want to highlight or agree with? No, I mean, they they covered it pretty well. And I I kind of have to recuse myself from the question because I've purposefully – made a point just to study 
teams and movement without even looking at prices on the game because <clears throat> if I do anything more than auto-draft right now, it's going to consume my entire day. And uh, I need some mental sanity, so I'm just, I'm just studying teams and movement. I'm not putting prices together with anybody yet. There's still plenty of time to do that. Hey, that's fine. The The cool, steady approach is something that I think fantasy managers can appreciate, especially if this is your first season coming in. Well, that's all that I had for questions, guys. Is there anything else uh, that you've seen online or that you yourself want to talk about or revisit with about any of the teams from the West before we move on? Speak now or nope, forever. I'm good. We got nope. it all. Didn't miss great. Anything. Yeah, that's that's a lot of great touch. Just a quick recap for people. If you're looking for opening weekend challenge teams, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. It seems a consensus from the West seems to be that Colorado has a couple of good options that L.A. might have an option or two for you. You can definitely find people to load up with from Portland and then maybe San Jose and Vancouver could have a person here or there that might be able to find a spot in your team. Now that we say about Portland, they're gonna they're gonna let in four goals because MLS. We know that's how it works. Yep. <laughs> uh, things are unpredictable, and that's why we love it. That's why it's because MLS. So wrapping things up real quick, some final announcements. Again, thank you so much for everyone who's listening to us through MLSsoccer.com and through all of the regular sources that we have: SoundCloud and Stitcher and iTunes. Uh, the recommended leagues post has gone up at MLSFantasyBoss.com. You can also find some leagues over at Reddit, r slash MLS. Uh, some of them offer prizes, uh, and of course, any league that gets up to 750 members, unique members, will offer a prize from MLS with a $200 gift card, I believe. And uh, that's a great. That's great. So find those leagues. Uh, a lot of these have great players in there, and some of them are even head-to-head, -head, which I think is particularly fun. Uh, speaking of head-to-head -head leagues, the Patreon league for this podcast, the MLSFI official head-to-head -head podcast, is just for our Patreon supporters. It is an exclusive league, and you have to be one of our donors to be eligible for that to get the code. So head over to patreon.com slash MLSFI if you'd like to donate to our podcast to help keep things going and get a chance to win some pretty cool MLS Fantasy Insider swag. If we get enough donations, we are going to uh, work on getting some MLSFI scarfs for this year, which I hope would be pretty cool if we can make that happen. Uh, uh, otherwise, um, check out the articles at MLS Fantasy Boss. Check out the articles from the fantasy experts at MLSsoccer.com, which I hope you're reading right now if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, lots of stuff at Reddit. Uh, Phil, Jason, Guy, what do you want to plug from your individual projects? I already Phil. gave a shout-out to my nerd league guys, but I'll just say hi to them again. Extremely competitive league, and I'm, I've just loved uh, just being in the chat with the guys and uh, how intense the Super Auction has been. Um, so hi to everyone there. Uh, I want to say hi to my uh, former Big D fantasy column partner, Ben Lyon. We uh, had a great time writing about fantasy all last year, but he's going to be flying solo this year. So uh, good luck to him. Go read his stuff at BigDSoccer.com. And um, really looking forward to that scarf. I have a scarf wall here at home uh, with uh, scarves of all the MLS teams where I've been to their stadium uh, in my kind of game room area. I've got FC Dallas on one wall. I've got USA on one wall, and then I've got all the other scarves on the other wall. So I'm definitely going to uh, get an MLS FI scarf and put it up on the wall, take a shot, put it on Twitter. Mm, you have to send me a picture of that wall. I am I am jealous. I yeah, will. me too. It's awesome. 
If anybody wants to exchange scarves, uh, tweet me and it will, I'll send you an FC Dallas scarf if you send me your team. Oh, snap. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Jason Guy, want to plug anything? Nothing yet. Uh, yeah. I um, <clears throat> I write over at uh, Fantasy Football 24-7. I do uh, FPL articles for him, and I'll be doing MLS again this year for him. Um, yeah, so go check that out. And I just wanted to apologize to uh, Reddit user uh, supporting Kansas City. I know that he hates my guts. <laughs> um, and uh, I just want to say I'm sorry I'm on, but... Uh, well, we're glad to have you back, and uh, don't let Jason undersell himself. He does help out with uh, MLS projects, not only at MLSFantasyBoss.com, but also for MLSSoccer.com. He'll have at least one article popping up about preseason in the next few weeks, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, thank you, Phil. Thank you, Guy. Thank you, Jason, for coming out tonight and helping pass on some knowledge about the West. Next week, we will be reviewing the East, so be sure to stay tuned for that to get your complete comprehensive preview of all the teams before the games kick off and before the opening weekend challenge. So thank you very much and good luck.